Well, good morning again. So excited uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, how many of you are still in a food coma from this past weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully this morning we'll kind of get out of that food coma as we conclude our series on moments that matter. And as I was thinking about that, this pastor asked me to, to, to share uh, this morning with you guys on this passage. I uh, got to thinking about that today is December 1st. 2019. Now, to many of you, it's pretty much another day. December 1st is just the beginning of December, which gets you really thinking about it. it's, the, it's the beginning of Christmas. But for me and my family, it's a special day because two years ago today, I had open heart surgery. And I remember that day, and I remember each moment during that day, but I go back a week and a half prior to that day to a moment that will always be with me. And that moment was when I went for my normal yearly checkup with my cardiologist, sitting in the, uh, the room, waiting for the, the report to come back after my stress test, just thinking everything was great. And then the cardiologist coming in, telling me that I failed my stress test, telling me that he was going to have to go in and have stents put in. And at that moment, it's a conversation I will never forget because from that moment led to the next moment of having the stents supposedly going to be put in, but another conversation with my cardiologist right before December 1st, which says we couldn't do stents. You have to have open heart surgery. Now, when you are young as I am, and I am young, for those that don't think I am, I am young. When you're young, you don't expect to hear or have a conversation about open heart surgery. So as we look at December 1st, when I actually had the surgery, those two conversations that we had with the cardiologist are moments that are etched in my mind, moments that are etched in my wife's mind that we will never, ever forget. Today, we're going to talk about a conversation, a conversation that took place a long way away from here that had such an impact on our lives or where we sit today that it will be moments that matter. It has mattered in our lives because of what one person, what a team of people did to have a conversation with another person that led to the opportunity for each and every one of us to be able to set where we're sitting today to truly be able to worship the one and only true king. That's what the moments that matter. Everybody wants to be a part of those moments. And so today we're going to talk about that. So I want you to turn to your Bible with me in Acts 16, and we're going to begin reading Acts 16 in verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 15. So if you'll stand with me when you find that, as we honor the Lord, as we read, in Acts 16, verse 6 through 15, it says here in verse 6, they passed through Phrygia and Galatia region, having been forbid by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia and they were trying to go in Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace. 
And on the day following in Apollos, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district, a Macedonian, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside into the gate to the riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to, to women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Father, we come to you thanking you for this incredible day. Thank you for Lydia. Thank you for Paul for being willing to go to all great distance to share the gospel to her. Father, I pray that today our hearts and ears will be open to hear directly from you today that we would do what you've called us to do. Father, watch over us today. Protect us. May the words out of my mouth come directly from you. And we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, for we can do all things to him which strengthens us. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this passage, the, 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 the title of the message is, is a life on mission, living a life on mission. Now, when you think about that, you think about, well, I'm not a missionary or I don't, I'm not called to go over to Africa or India or all like that. But literally, we're all called to do mission work. We're all called to be missionaries in our own place. And so when we look at this passage, the conversation that God took place to bring, to intervene, to bring Paul and his team together with the prayer team of this women and Lydia was unbelievable. Now to truly understand this and to truly get the point, again, where we sit here today was because of the spread of Christianity that took place from this conversation. And so when you think, when you read the Bible and you go, I don't really understand what that has to do with me. This has everything to do with this. This has everything to do with what God did to intervene in our lives. And so when we look at this, when I think about this, I think a life, living a life on mission, what does that truly look like? What do I have to do if I really want to live on mission? In today's society, we're, it's December 1st, we said, we're about to enter into a crazy season. Matt just talked about the Black Friday, all of that. It's about to get crazy. Road rage is about to go up. Mall rage is about to go up. Store rage is about to go up. Amazon rage is about to go up. Your rage is about to go up. It's all Christmas and it's all holiday joy. But yet we get caught up in all the moments that really don't matter. And we forget the real reason why we're, we're here. And so when we look at this, when we look about being missional minded, living on mission, what does that look like? Well, the first thing is, is we need to be sensitive to the spirit. Be sensitive to the spirit. Look what it says here in verse six and seven. They passed through Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Now think about this for a minute. That word forbidden means prevented. It means not allowing. It gives you the idea of not allowing someone to do something. What were the Holy Spirit not allowing them to do? They weren't allowed to preach the word. They were not allowed to preach the gospel. That goes against all biblical stuff. 
It goes against everything that God asks us to do. He tells us to go and make disciples. But yet here, Paul is doing exactly what God had asked him to do. And they're going into the region of Asia. And all of a sudden, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit forbid them to go share the word, to go share the gospel. And then it goes on. I love what Paul did. Because when Paul's doing exactly what God told him to do, and yet he's forbidden to do it, Many of us would take that as, oh, well, there you go. We're not supposed to do anything. We're supposed to be done. I, I shared the gospel one time. I, I led my best friend or my mom or my dad or my sister to Christ. And now I'm not supposed to do anything else. So now I just put a t-shirt on and I sit back and I just relax. That's what a lot of us would do. Or many of us would feel like, oh, well, we're not supposed to go there that way. So, so I guess we're not supposed to do anything. God is saying No. But Paul says, no, he goes, all right, we, we can't go there. We're not supposed to preach the word. So we'll continue. We'll continue to press on. We'll continue to take a step after a step. And they go up to Bithynia and they want to go into Bithynia, which is heading east. And scripture tells us that they were not permitted. Now, you guys know permit means to allow to do something. But this was modified with the strongest negative Greek where it says not permitted, which literally means they were absolutely not permitted to go into Bithynia. Instead of going east, which is where they wanted to go, the Holy Spirit was forbidding them to do it, not allowing them to do it, stopping them from doing it and forcing them to go a different direction. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the Holy Spirit says no. It doesn't mean you're supposed to stop. It doesn't mean you're supposed to go, oh, well, I guess I'll give up. I am so grateful today, so grateful that Paul didn't retrace his steps, that Paul and his team didn't go, well, we were told no, we were forbidden, we're not allowed to go that direction, so I guess we're seeing to turn around and go back home. They didn't. And because of that, the spread of Christianity spread westward, which the spread of Christianity then spread to us. All because of the hindrance of the Holy Spirit and all because Paul was being led by the Holy Spirit. I love what it says in Romans 8, 14. In Romans 8, 14, it says this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. The word there, led, is a, led is the Greek word, ago, which means it gives you the idea of being led by a rope. It gives you the idea of a, an animal that has a rope tied around his neck and the master leading him through, walking him. But then the root, the root, the ago is also the root word of another Greek word, which is agon, which is literally, it, it, it means a conflict. An intense conflict. It's, it's, it's where we get the word agony. Agony. You think about agony, you don't think of something that sounds good, do you? But that's where we get the word. It's an intense conflict. I always think about this when I think about this word and being led by the Holy Spirit that uh, our, our oldest son, Gavin, uh, when he was younger, he weighed about 60 pounds and we had a, a Labrador retriever that weighed about 80 to 90 pounds. 
and we would put the leash on our Labrador retriever, Daisy, and we would tell Gavin, hey, Gavin, go walk the dog. And it was always funny to watch as he went down the street that the dog was walking Gavin. Gavin held, held the leash. The dog had it around his neck, but the dog was doing the walking, right? And Gavin was trying to hang on and he was fighting with them. But I noticed when he comes back up the street that now the dog is learning to walk, be led by his master. See, I think a lot of times that's how we are in our spiritual walk. We're like our dog. We're like going, I don't want this around my neck. I don't want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be led by a master. I want to do it on my own. And we're fighting with our master. But as I saw our dog be led by Gavin, I noticed that the walk was a lot smoother. When we are led by the Holy Spirit, our walk, our Christian walk is a whole lot smoother. But the reason we struggle is because we have a soul, right? We have a flesh that is in constant battle with the spirit. Every single day we're in constant battle. See, our soul is our mind and our will and our emotion. It's what we think. It's what we desire. It's what we feel. And a lot of times we base our decisions on what we think, what we desire, what we feel. Guess what? That's not the right way to make decisions. The right way to make decisions is what God desires, what God wants. But that's the spirit. And the only way we can truly be sensitive to the spirit and to be led by the spirit is by staying in the word. I cannot tell you how many people that I've talked to that are walking and struggling. And when you start talking to them and they're not spending any time in the word, they're not being led by the spirit because they can't be sensitive to the spirit because they're not staying in the word and they're not dwelling in the word. They're not abiding in the word. So therefore, they don't even know what their father truly wants. I don't have it for you, but I want to read a scripture for you. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is a living and active. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing through as far as the division, hear this, the division of the soul and the spirit. Sharper than any two-edged sword, more powerful. It's active. It's alive. The word of God can destroy, divide your will, your thinking, your desire with what God wants for your life. It says division, the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you truly want to be sensitive to the spirit, if you truly want to be led by the spirit, you truly want to live a missional mind, you truly want to do what God wants you to do. You have to stay in the word. You have to be in it. That's what Paul was doing. Paul was being led by the Holy Spirit, the hindrance of the Holy Spirit. Because see, at that moment, God had greater plans than even Paul thought. Greater ministry than what Paul even could imagine. Paul had no idea. But he said, because you're, gonna, you're telling me to do it, that's what I'm going to do. See, we have to stay sensitive to the Spirit and listen to God on whether to stay or go. Hear me. There's some of you in here today that you're trying to make a decision on your marriage. You're trying to make a decision on whether to stay or go. And you're basing that decision on what you feel, what you desire, and what you want. God created marriage. 
God created you to become one. So my encouragement to you today, if that's you, I want you to go home and I want you to ask God, God, is this what you want? You want me to stay? You want me to go? If God tells you to go, then I'm not the Holy Spirit. You go. But if God doesn't tell you to go, then you stay put. You do not leave. You may be thinking today about leaving a job or, or leaving your family or leaving whatever. If God doesn't tell you to go, you don't go. You get in the word. You stay sensitive to the spirit. You let him lead your life. That's what Paul was doing. He was able to do what God called him to do because he was being led by the spirit because he was sensitive to the spirit. Other part is be obedient to your calling. Look at verses nine and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. When we're confronted with closed doors, our natural response is to ask why. We love open doors, correct? We love the open doors. God opened this door. Oh, you opened the door. Great. I know where I'm supposed to go. We don't like the closed doors. When we get a closed door, we begin to act like a two-year-old toddler. You ever seen a two-year-old toddler when mom and dad tells them no or tells her no? What does that two-year-old toddler do? Usually sits in the floor, cries, throws a fit. And we sit there looking, going, why are you throwing a fit? Well, you just told him no. And we go, oh my gosh, it's just a toddler thing. That's us as believers. There's a lot of times when God has closed doors in our life that we begin to ask why, Lord, and then we begin to throw a fit. We don't see that with Paul. We don't see him questioning God's reasoning or questioning God's timing. Now, he may have wondered what was going on, but we don't see that in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is God, that Paul was totally trusting God's wisdom. It said here when he saw the vision that they concluded that this was God, that God had called them. Notice it said here, this spirit was the first one. Then the spirit of Jesus, second one. Now, God, you have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all speaking to Paul, all leading him. And he says immediately they went and were obedient to their calling. It was a new call. Every single one of us as believers in Jesus Christ have a call upon our life. You may be sitting here this morning going, I don't have a call upon your life. If you have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you, you have a call upon your life. We're all called to make disciples, every single one of us. That's not our pastor's job. That's all of our jobs. Every single one's have a call upon our life. It's a duty. That word there in scripture, a call means a duty. Called office, it's our duty. He saw that. And he went immediately knowing. Why? Because the Macedonian man in the vision had a cry for help. The word there, help, there means to bring aid, to, to relieve. It is in, a, in, a, in the Greek tense, it's an eritus imperative, which literally means it's a command, but it's a command of urgency. It's not when you felt like it. It's not when Paul felt like it. It was an urgent need that he needed to go help. When you think about that, I think about when a baby cries. When a baby cries, for the most part, you go help. You don't just wait. You go help to find out what's wrong with that baby. Our oldest daughter, Rochelle, she's here today. And when she was younger, uh, she got in a situation 
And I, and I remember one day going to work. It was uh, back when I was working with Kids Beach Club and driving to work. And, and, and one morning I, I got a call from Rochelle. And all it was was, Daddy, come help me. And when I got that call, I didn't go, you know what? I got you, but I, I got a meeting. I got I, I to gotta get to work. I tell you what, at lunchtime I'll come. Or it wasn't like, oh, well, this is inconvenient for me right now. As soon as I got that call, as soon as I heard the word help, I turned the car around and I went and helped. Now, what I brought to her that day was cool. I came in and helped her, but it has nothing to do with what Paul got. The greatest help that we can bring people is a life-changing message of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many people in your neighborhood are crying out for help? How many people at your workplace are crying out for help and we're not sensitive to the spirit? We're not obedient to our calling. So what Paul had to do is he looked at that, he came to Troas, saw the vision and says, I've got to go across the sea. Now get this, they were walking, they were going into different regions, preaching the gospel. They were forbidden to do it. They weren't allowed to do it. They were not permitted to do it. All of a sudden they come to this body of water and they see this man from Macedonia going, come over here and help. So now they had to get in a boat and go across. It was not convenient for them. They didn't know what to expect when they got into that new region, but they did it by faith. Hebrews eleven eight says this, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he has to receive for, for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Paul had no idea what to expect. But he says, I'm going to go by faith. He was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. Are you totally dependent on the Holy Spirit? How do we do this daily? How do we put this application into our life? It's every single day going, God, what is your plan for me today? I may not understand it. I may not feel equipped to do it. It may be inconvenient in my life. It may not fit my schedule. But God, if you're calling me to do it, I'm going to be obedient and do it. These kingdom conversations that pastor's been talking about, this is not a program. This is not something that goes away when Christmas is over or 2019 is over. This is an everyday life. This is what Paul was all about. He was all about having conversations. He was all about making every moment count. Every moment that matter took place. When Paul was going, this was his life. This is what it means to live missionally. That's what I want. I would love to say I do it. I, I, this is, God is convicting me on this. But he says, be dependent. Be obedient to your calling. Number three here, be intentional in your walk. Be intentional in your walk. Verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside. We were supposing that there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Get the picture. Here's Paul and his team. They couldn't go here. They couldn't preach the gospel. They couldn't go east. Now they're heading west. They come to this, the Troas. They get in the boat. They go across. They go into Napopolis. That's easy for you to say. Philippi. They go into the city. 
They're in the city, and as Paul went around with his team, typically what they would do is they would go find a synagogue, and they would go preach and teach in the synagogue. Now, I don't have time to tell you all the reasons why there wasn't a synagogue, but basically there wasn't enough men there to have a synagogue. So they were looking for a place of prayer, and they found out that there was one outside the city gates, so they had to go outside the city. How many times would we had stopped and said, forget it. This is way too difficult. I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the patience to do that. This was obviously not meant for me to do. I'm having to go way out of my way. We think that way when we're talking about going across the street to knock on our neighbor's door. He had to go across the sea, then outside the city gates, and then check him out. He walked up to a women's Bible study. Baptist people. place of prayer. He is a long way from Pentecost. He is a long way from where it started. He is a long way from sin. God, he is next to a river with women that are studying and he walks up to them because they understood their mission. They understood their purpose was a call from God to preach the gospel. Their walk was intentional. They weren't there on vacation. They weren't there for sightseeing. They weren't there to see a new city. They weren't there just to go from store to store and figure out what they could buy for Christmas. They had a moment that they knew would matter and they were intentional with their walk and they were looking for people and they went outside the city gates and they came upon these women. And then when they sat down, their conversation was intentional. It wasn't about what they were doing. It wasn't about where's the great eating place, what's a great movie they could go watch. Their conversation was about the one and only Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's intentional walk. That's intentional conversation. And that's what we're supposed to be about. I love the fact that they didn't sit back and go, oh, we've been here a few days. Nothing's come our way. Let's get back in the boat. No, they went looking. It will change your life. If every day when you go, God, what is your plan for me today? I know you have a plan for me to prosper. So what is that plan for me today? God, who is Lydia in my life today? Who is that conversation that I'm supposed to have today? Not my pastor, not my teacher, me. Who am I supposed to have a conversation with today? Then give me the courage. Give me the boldness to be able to speak the words that you have for me. That's what Paul does here. Why was Paul doing that? Because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. In Romans 1, 16, it says that. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Share it. Tell about it. As I shared with you guys, two years ago today, open heart surgery, quadruple bypass. It still blows me away that I had that. There's a reminder on my chest every morning when I get up that that took place. At first, I was leery of the scar. I never wanted to show it. 
and, and, and I'm not going to show it right now. <laughs> but I, 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 was, I was almost embarrassed about it. And my wife says she loves the scar because it's a reminder how good our father is. It's a reminder of what God did and how God has a plan in my life. And when I think about that and I look at that every single day when I get up and I see myself in the mirror and I see that scar, I'm reminded how faithful God is. But then I get, I get convicted because everyone I talk to, I'll tell them about my cardiologist. I'll tell them about my surgeon because, I, man, if you have heart issues, I, I have a cardiologist for you. He's incredible. If you have to have Sergio surgery, I have a surgeon that I think is the greatest surgeon of all time. I will tell you about him. So why do I hesitate to share the greatest news of all of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? Why do we hesitate to share the greatest news of all of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Paul was encouraged. Paul was bold. And Paul was prepared for that moment to be able to share the gospel to those women and one lady in particular to Lydia. Be sensitive to the spirit. Be obedient to your calling. Be intentional with your walk. And then the last one, be personable with others. We see here that in verses 14 and 15 that they came across a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. A seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay and she prevailed upon us. Be personal with others. I love that Paul and them came in and sat down. As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're in a busy time. It's going to get crazy. I want to encourage you, slow down. Slow down. Take time. See the faces. Notice the people. This is a time of celebration. But this is the time where a lot of people struggle with depression. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people need Jesus. A lot of people need to hear from you. We need to be personable with others. Paul and his team came and they sat down. He wasn't standing over them. He wasn't acting like he was better than them. He sat down and had meaningful conversation. And in doing so, then Lydia did just the same thing where she says, come to my house. I want you to come to my house. Now, Lydia, as we see here, uh, what we know about Lydia is where she was from, how she had a house in Philippi also. So we know that she was a seller of purple fabric. So get an idea. She had a fashion industry, kind of like the CEO of a fashion industry. So she apparently had some money. She was also a worshiper of God. She understood that there weren't multiple gods. She had rejected paganism, all other religions. She was a seeker because it said she was worshiping. She wanted to know God. She wanted to live her life and, uh, by doing the commandments and all like that, living a godly life. But yet there was something missing. She didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And God, get this, God took Paul way, way back over here brought him all the way here to this women's Bible study for Lydia. 
Lydia was listening, the scripture says. Continuing listening to every word Paul was saying. Not just hearing, as a lot of us are right now. I don't want to step on toes. But a lot of us are hearing. A lot of us have come in this room heard the good news of Jesus Christ, heard the gospel presentation, heard the only way to enter into heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You've heard that message many times before and walked out of here without receiving Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Lydia was listening. And scripture says that God, the Lord, opened her heart. That's good news for all of us. See, but the reason that's good news is so many of us, we refuse to share the gospel. We don't feel like we're equipped to share the gospel. We have to have all the knowledge in the world about the Bible before we go out and share the gospel because it's up to us to convert them. It's not up to us. All we're supposed to do is sow the seeds. All we're supposed to do is be a witness. All we're supposed to do is tell people about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. It's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit's job to open the heart. That's what took place right here. That word there, open, means completely open. As I share with you, open heart surgery doesn't mean they go into your groin or go into your vein. It take, they take a, I don't want to get gross, they take this saw and they cut your chest off and they open you up. Why? So that the surgeon can see and do what he's called to do. The Holy Spirit opened her heart to understand the great message that they had. It's the same word open that is used in Luke 24, 25 when it says to the disciples, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. See, Lydia listened. Lydia was sensitive. The Holy Spirit touched her heart. Lydia was obedient because it says as soon as she heard, she, she wanted to be baptized. Lydia was intentional because scripture goes on and says that her whole household was baptized. Lydia was personable with others because scripture tells us that she opened her home. Later on in Acts, you see that Paul was stoned in prison and when he got out, he came to Lydia's home. Now, why is this so important? Because Lydia was the first convert in Europe. Lydia had started the first church there in Philippi. This led to the spread of Christianity all across Europe, across the Great Pond, to the United States, to Euless, Texas, to cross the church. That's why this is so important. And this all happened based on one moment that mattered, based on one conversation, based on a man and his team that was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, obedient to their calling, intentional with their walk, and personal with others. Now this hit home. Because see, I was like Lydia to the point that I knew God. I knew there was only one God. I believed in God. I came to church somewhat seeking. But before September 14th, 1994, if I would have died, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I mean, in hell. But because God brought another woman, my wife, into my life, 
she shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And on September 14th, 1994, even though I'd heard many messages at this church, I'd walked out of here many, many times not accepting Christ my Lord and Savior. How many of you are sitting here today and God is touching your heart and you continue to reject that message? Don't be like me and walk out of here. Be like Lydia. Be sensitive to the Spirit. Be obedient. And then be intentional. And then be personable. That's exactly what Paul was. Paul made time. He could have very easily said this is inconvenient, but he made time. He made conversation. His conversation was about the kingdom. He made friends when he sat down with these women and began talking to them. And then he made disciples because that's exactly what Lydia did. That's what we're called to do. But in order to do that, that first step is allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What an incredible gift. What an incredible season would be to be able to share with your family, to be able to go, guess what I did today? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's what Lydia did. And because Lydia did that, many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives have been changed for eternity. Who is the Lydia in your life? Maybe you're the Lydia. And if you are, I want to encourage you. Do not leave here without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Our prayer partners are going to come down front. As they do, I'm going to close in prayer. I want to encourage you. The whole reason we celebrate is because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of the birth and then what he did on the cross. And he did that for you. Don't walk out of here the same way that you walked in. Father, we just come to you today thanking you for an incredible day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to come into your presence. Father, I ask it right now that you would move in the hearts of the people. The Father, that as you're touching lives right now, that they would be open to take a step out of their seat. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's inconvenient. I know it's not natural. But Father, that you would lead them down, that they would have a conversation that would change the world forever. Father, do what only you can do. You move. Your Holy Spirit, move in this place. You shake us, Father. And I ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, for we can do all things to him which strengthens us. Amen.